Hey, Whiskey Ringers, welcome to a brand new intro. First off, there are still a few bottles of our barrel single barrel rye finished in Armagnac casks, picked in partnership with This Is My Bourbon podcast. Check out the show notes for links to purchase. Second, I am thrilled to announce that I've joined the Bar Cart Co-op. This group of podcasts and shows has a show or multiple for everyone. I'll talk more about them in the mid-roll. Finally, there are still two $25 spots available on Patreon. These are the last two spots that will ever be open on that tier, so if you've been putting it off, grab your spot today. There are also spots available at the $15 a month level if you want to support, but can't quite commit to that $25 tier just yet. There's a spot in supporting for everyone's budget, and I truly thank you all for making this podcast possible. Hi folks, welcome to a new episode of the Whiskey Ring Podcast. Today I'm thrilled to be returning to, in some ways, Indian whiskey and India for the first time in over a year at this point. Uh, it's been over a year since we have talked about any South Asian whiskey. So I'm thrilled to bring on from uh, Rampur and from Radiko Kaitan as a larger brand, Mr. Sanjeev Barga who's the president of international business and Mr. Kunal Madan, vice president of international business sector. So Kunal, Sanjeev, welcome on. Thank you. David. Thank you very much. David. And uh, thank you for having us uh, on this podcast. So it's a privilege uh, speaking to you. The privilege is all mine. Thank you for coming on. So the focus of this podcast in particular is going to be on your new product, which is Sangam World Whiskey which I'm holding up a bottle of now, but which, you know, with my background won't necessarily show, but it will come up. Uh, I'll have pictures and tasting notes on the website when this episode goes live. And this is a particularly, it's a new bottle that was launched uh, earlier this year for the international market. And it's fairly unique as well. But before we get too deep into Sangam, I wanted to just give you both an opportunity to introduce uh, Rampur whiskey as the wider kind of whiskey brand behind it. So um, people who may not have tried it yet can get a sense of what you guys want from your whiskey. All right. Thanks, David. Uh, before I talk about uh, Rampur whiskey or Rampur Indian single malt, let me give a little background about Rampur distillery itself. Mm -hmm. We are one of the oldest distillery in India, established in 1943, so about 80 years ago. Uh, we started off with distillers for uh, the uh, sugarcane molasses beds, alcohol, then added a grain distillery over there, and then we added the malt distillery. Uh, we today operate from three locations in India. Two of them are in the north part of India and one in the western part of India. So put together from three locations, we do close to about 310 million liters of alcohol annually. Makes us one of the largest in the world over here. But uh, more importantly, our branded business journey started in 1998 when we launched an Indian whiskey called 8PM, which was the first whiskey to be launched, a grain whiskey blended with scotch. Uh, in India, and in the first year itself, we did a million case of that. And then uh, started our premiumization journey, but the main uh, journey in terms of our 
Single malt started in 2016. Our malt plant had been in operation for close to about 28 years since then. And we were by and large distilling malt and aging, maturing, using it in our own whiskey blending process. And all this malt that was aging, we were waiting for the right malt to be available to the consumer so that we could bottle it. And I remember very distinctly, we were at the distillery in November 2015, and our master blender came with uh, malt and he said, why don't you try it? And instantly we all fell in love with that. And we decided, yes, this is the malt we need to bottle. And that's how Rampur Indian Single Malt came to existence. And precisely five months later in Las Vegas in US, we were launching our first expression of Rampur, which is Rampur Select. That's been a very, very satisfying journey since then. And today we have seven expressions of Rampur and all of them have been very well received, accepted by the consumers all around the world. And the whiskey affectionados, it's been winning awards, accolades all across. In fact, Whiskey Advocate magazine rated our first expression, Rampur Select, amongst the top 30 whiskies of the world at number five. And another expression, which is Rampur Asava, which is in fact the first single malt in the history that's been finished in, uh, which aged in American bourbon and then finished in an Indian red wine cask, Cabernet Sauvignon. So they rated it at number seven uh, world across the world on that. So it's been a tremendous journey so far, and we've got a lot to offer. In fact, our whole aim is to offer India to the world, the uniqueness, the mysticism of India, share that with the Malkanosias all across the world. And in that journey, uh, Sangam is one of our latest edition, which is a world malt whiskey. So. If I was to elaborate on Sangam, Sangam is an Indian word, a Sanskrit word, which essentially means confluence of two rivers. And then the end result is much bigger than the two parts. So what we've done in Sangam is we've taken the malt from the traditional world, which is the European world, and the new world, and brought it all together. So it's West meets East, that's a Sangam that's happening. And it's already started rolling out in a couple of markets, including US, Europe, UK, getting into travel retail as well. So uh, the blend is fantastic. Uh, we're waiting anxiously to see the consumer response on that. I'm very happy. Well, thank you first for for the um, exposition. and. I'm happy to say I've got to try both Sangam, of course, and then also uh, Rampur Double Cask, just to, again, give me a sense and context of flavor and profile that you're looking for. I do want to point out a couple of things that you said. Number one, the 310 million liter per, you know, that that's an incredible number in terms of volume. It's massive. I invite listeners to because I, I don't have some of the numbers offhand anymore for this year but i invite them to look up some of the comparisons 
and you can compare look at jack daniels it's the most selling american whiskey look at um some of the johnny walkers for the uk 310 million is i'm pretty sure will dwarf both of those if if i'm remembering correctly it's a very large number um which is incredibly impressive and indian whiskey as a whole represents about 48% of the whiskey production in the world a mind-boggling number that people don't really know about and i'm thrilled that in getting the name out and in getting into different markets around the world including the us you both have an opportunity to as you said bring india to the world as part of this process the other point that i wanted to pull out was that one of the first whiskies you uh created was a blending of indian whiskey and um scotch whiskey and i believe you said scotch grain is that correct scotch malt scotch, scotch malt. malt i'm sorry so the idea for rampour and for uh sangam specifically of doing cross border blending if you will was uh, not necessarily new for you this is something that was that you've you've done in the past this idea of taking the different cultures together um which i find fascinating i'm curious if you can look back to that part what what led to doing that cross border blending in the first place even before sangam was ideated you know uh, if if you look at the indian uh, beverage alcohol market it's a fairly controlled market or it was a fairly controlled market with very high taxation close to if i recall correctly more than 400% duties uh till about uh, 95 96 and 1994 is when the indian market opened up so all the big players all the multinationals uh came into india and started setting up local bottling operations whether it is diageo at that time was udv idv seagram bacardi uh all of them came into india and they started producing indian whiskey which was again a blend of uh, the indian grain whiskey and the scotch malts that they were getting it from their parent company over here and at that time and i said we started our branded journey in 1998 so they were already present in the indian market for couple of years and that's when we decided as an indian company we need to stand up to that challenge and that's when we decided to do our own grain which we were producing in house and blend that with the scotch uh, malt so honestly it was something we learned from the scottish companies or the multinationals and then perfected that so that's how we started with that and in fact we were the first ones to also have the uh, nrf closures because at that time there was always an issue of fakes and spurious stuff over here so give that confidence to the buyers and to the consumers we started using the nrf on our bottles as well and the consumer acceptance was phenomenal as i said first year itself we did a million cases of our uh, whiskey and just to clarify for a consumer who may not have heard before uh, what is the nrf 
uh, non-refillable fitment. So uh, it's tamper evident. So you can't basically uh, refill the bottle. Gotcha. So from the point where we had the first whiskey with Indian grain and Scottish malt to, let's say, a few years ago when the idea for Sangam came up, what had changed at Rampur that made you look at and say, you know, this would be a good time to perhaps explore this market again and the cross-border blending again? Well, uh, you know, when we started uh, our journey from 98, uh, we focused one on our whiskey and then building the distribution infrastructure. And then we took a little diversion and we started on the white spirit market as well. And we launched in 2006, a magic moment vodka, which today is the seventh largest vodka in the world. And we control close to 60% of the entire vodka market in India. And then uh, we further went on a premiumization journey in terms of uh, brandy, which we have a brand called Morphis, which is the most premium brandy in India. And today we have seven brands in the Millionaire Club. But simultaneously what was happening is we expanded our distribution not only within India, but outside of India as well. And today our brands are available in over 100 countries. So we were exposed to different cultures, different trends, what were happening in the world. And that's when we decided to do our Indian single malt as well. And then part of that, one of the things that we've done with our Rampur Indian single malt, everything that goes inside the bottle of Rampur is 100% Indian. Starting with a six-row North Indian barley, we based in north part of India in the foothills of Himalayas. So we have a great advantage and a privilege of using the Himalayan groundwater. The soil, air is very different. There are tropical fruits that are grown in and around our distillery and the maturation facility. So all Rampur expressions are very easy drinking, fruity, floral. None of Rampur expressions is peaty or smoky because India does not grow any peat. And one of the things that we found out while uh, promoting our Indian single malt was there is a certain section of malt consumers who appreciate a smoky or a PT one. And that's also one of the trigger, apart from the Sangam of West and East, we wanted to add a whisper of peatiness into our uh, whiskey. And that's what you find in Sangam as well, because of some of the malt that we use. And again, uh, on a holistic sort of thing, Something that happened in the wine industry a couple of years ago when there was only the French and the Californian and the New World uh, wines came on the scene and they they some of them are brilliant in giving runoff money to the traditional wines. Then there's this Indian single malt, which is uh, or the New World single malts, whether it is Indian, Japanese, Taiwanese, Australian, that's also been coming in. And we said, this is the time to amalgamate both the new and the old world and come up with a world mod. So that was, again, a driving force behind Sangam. 
and looking at the product they created, of course, had the opportunity to try it. So thank you for uh, for facilitating that. And it was a, a bit uh, surprising, I guess I would say, because I, I try not to look at any tasting notes before trying something so I can go in truly blind. And uh, as you said, I, I've tried a few Rampour products in the past, never any peat in there. And this one, of course, it's not by any means overwhelming, but it does have a light smokiness to it, um, that citrus smoke, which I quite like. Um, I I hesitate to compare it to any particular you know Scottish region that someone might be more familiar with because that I think it might be a false comparison. But I said there is some extra smoke that you wouldn't necessarily get, um, and in that in that way, I was curious from a marketing and branding perspective if because this product represented such a switch from the core Rampour line. Is that why it was uh, marketed and, and branded as a truly separate whiskey rather than saying it was Rampour Sangam edition, it's Sangam World Malt Whiskey? Well, uh, let me assure all your uh, viewers and listeners as well, Rampour will remain only a pure 100% Indian single malt. So anything else, yes, coming from the Dharampur distillery itself, but if it's not 100% Indian, it'll not be called Rampur. All right, fair enough. And the for the profile, so as you said, for Sangam, it's blending Indian whiskey, whiskey from Europe, um, and from... I believe North America as well. The new world. The new, the world. new world. The new world. Yeah. New world. Uh, we don't disclose the provenance uh, of the malts that we use. That's something that we keep very close to our chest, but we use some of the finest malts. That's available all around the world. Fair enough. I know uh I would imagine for a project like this in general, the the NDAs must be numerous and I um Certainly respect that, of course. Uh, being at the foothills of the Himalayas, and this is the, the last question specifically about you know, the Rampour profile uh, more generally and not just the new product, but being at the foothills of the Himalayas for the two of the facilities that are in the north and then your additional facility in the west, what profile do you tell people or do you expect people to get from the Rampur part, let's say, of the Sangam blend? Well, in terms of our malt distillery, that's only based in Rampur distillery. So the other two locations do not have the malt distillation. So, uh, and all the uh, distillation, aging, maturation for Rampur happens in Rampur distillery itself. Now, to come to uh, the climatic condition or what profile it creates, yes, we're in the foothills of Himalayas, but then the temperatures vary a lot. Summer temperature goes up to about 42 degrees. Uh, I'm talking centigrades. Uh, sure. <laughs> Fahrenheit. So, no, in fact, goes up to about 45, 46 degrees centigrade, winter drops down to about two, three degrees uh, centigrade. So there's a huge variation in terms of the temperature. 
what it does to the malt is the malt is reacting very aggressively with the cask. And uh, even the experts in Scotland agree with this kind of temperature uh, and climatic change, the malt ages, matures at a very rapid pace. In fact, some say it's about four times faster than Scotland. So if hypothetically we age for 10 years in Rampo, that's equivalent to a 40-year-old scotch. And that's one of the reasons none of the Rampur expressions carry any age statement. Because it'll be unfair on our part or legally not tenable to put a 40, and then why downgrade uh, to, say, a 10, 12, 15? For us, age remains just a number. The most important thing is how it feels on your palate. How good uh, would you like to drink it again or would you like to share it with your loved ones and all? That's important. Also, as I mentioned, the soil air makes the malt and it's aging for a fairly, fairly long time. Uh, it blends and lends that fruity aroma, the floral taste into the malt. So it's, it's a very smooth, uh, you get some tropical fruit notes over there, especially lychee, mango as well, and the spiciness also. So this is the DNA of all Rampur expressions. The Barkhart Co-op is a group of five shows with something for everyone. First up is My Whiskey Den, hosted by Mike Lisak, Pat Bologna, and Mitch Weddle. Listen and watch live on Mondays at 9 for thoughts and discussions on craft spirits and, once in a while, some downright odd things. And yes, I'm talking about the cantaloupe liqueur that I can't believe could be good, yet I gotta admit, it's fantastic. Next up is Bourbon Turntable, hosted by Kevin Rose and Drew Crawley. Kevin and Drew are true lovers of both music and bourbon, and I got to join them to talk about my own whiskey and music journey back in March. It's still one of my favorite episodes I've ever been a part of, and it's a show that I listen to every single week. The next two are from a guy you may have heard of. After all, he's a two-time guest on the Whiskey Ring podcast. Mr. Alan Bishop, head alchemist at Spirits of French Lick and self-proclaimed reviver of the history of Indiana's Black Forest. Alan has two shows in the co-op, both of which are also weekly listens for me. The first one is Distiller's Talk with co-host Christy Atkinson. It's probably the nerdiest spirits podcast I know of, and that's including my own, and I absolutely love it. Some weeks you'll be talking and capturing wild yeast in long-gone ghost distilleries in the Black Forest region. Others you'll be hearing from some of the most exciting up-and-comers in the distilling, brewing, and overall spirits-producing industry. Most of these distillers he's gone, I've never even heard of before the episode. But after listening, all I want to do is find out more and explore new ways of looking at spirits and all the nerdy stuff that I love about this industry. And last but certainly not least is Alan's other podcast, If You Have Ghosts, You Have Everything. Exploring the paranormal side of Hoosier-occupied Kentucky, Alan intertwines his own experiences with stories about neighbors, colleagues, and local legends, and why you should never go into the forest alone at night. Part scary story, part homage to the rich history of Southern Indiana, this show comes straight from Alan's heart and soul. Take a listen or watch to any of these amazing shows, and thank you to the Barcard Co-op community for welcoming me. Join the community on Facebook, follow on Instagram and YouTube, and you'll have another show for every day of the week. This month's Impact Spotlight is on Nickneen. Founded by Annabelle Thomas, 
Nicknean has a pioneering approach to spirit making, putting innovation and sustainability at the forefront. Through Nicknean, Annabelle seeks to change the way the world thinks about whiskey from Scotland, and to create a whiskey which could exist in harmony with our planet and its inhabitants. Nicknean has created a spirit with exceptional body and sweetness, showcasing their smooth and elegant house style. This is achieved through a combination of sourcing high-quality organic Scottish barley, gentle fermentation and distillation processes, and maturation in a combination of three carefully selected cask types. Ex-American whiskey casks, STR, shaved, toasted, and recharred casks, that held red wine, and a small amount of Oloroso sherry casks. The result is flavors of lemon sherbet, juicy stone fruits, and spiced rye bread. This whiskey is set to disrupt the industry through Nicknean's commitment to sustainability and creative approach to distilling. With an uncompromising focus, the small team of eco-conscious drinks fanatics also dedicate 10% of their spirit production to trialing different yeasts not commonly found in whiskey distilling, all on their journey to seek out and find new flavors in their whiskey making. If you're a longtime listener, you know how interested I am in whiskeys and distilleries like this, and how excited I am that Impex is now bringing it stateside. Annabelle will be visiting Chicago for Whiskey and Barrel Night on October 25th, and will be hosting special masterclasses featuring the key components of Nicknean, along with their core organic single malts. These tastings will also include a sneak peek of Quiet Rebels Gordon. Only 630 bottles of the special one-time-only release will be coming to the States, so it's a release and an event you won't want to miss. Nicknean Organic Single Malt is currently on its way to specialty retailers across the U.S. For more information and questions on where to buy, please contact the Impex Beverages office at office at impexbev.com and follow on social media to never miss a release. The Whiskey Ring Podcast is proudly sponsored by Impex Beverages. It's a, again, it's a region that we have not explored yet on this podcast, and it's fascinating because, and this is a quick side notice, simply that when you say foothills of the Himalayas, I feel like just because we associate in general the Himalayas with, you know, tall, snow-covered, the tallest, snow-covered mountains and all that, that it's going to be cooler and, and cold and almost kind of like a Scottish climate, if you will. But it's really not. I mean, the temperatures you're you're talking about, you're getting up to in Fahrenheit about just doing quick back of the head math. So 105, 110 Fahrenheit in the summer, going down to the 40s in in winter. Uh, this is a dramatic shift, equal or greater to than what you what we find here in in Kentucky, for example, or in many states in the U.S. Uh, and but with more rapid aging because of the extremes. And I fully agree with you. And uh, this is the case for many whiskeys around the world, but especially I feel Indian whiskey that the age statement does not do you justice. It's just not equivalent. And to try to explain on a on label on a podcast, it's much easier in an article. It's much easier, but to try to explain in the label, you know, this is marked as three years old, but it's really nine to 10 and it gets too complicated for a consumer. So I've, um, as much as I try to push for, you know, ages, I, I can very much appreciate that it's just a different world and it's a different product and three years or however long, let's say the product used in Sangam and in the Rampur products that I've gotten to try, the age seems right. It's not over oaked at all. It's not too young. 
either where you're still kind of tasting the grain and the process in there. So it's a case of, you know, let the experts, let the people making the whiskey figure out where the best taste profile is. And I think uh, for me, at least I quite enjoy uh, the Ramper products and I enjoyed um, Sangam as well. So, um, so thank you for kind of for giving us more of that context. Yep. Thank you, David, on that. And that's that's uh, the typical Indian summer. Welcome to the Indian summer <laughs> here as well. But, you know, let me tell uh, your viewers as well, it's it's bloody expensive to age uh, malt in North Indian climate because the angels tend to be very greedy. Uh, we tend to lose a lot of our malt due to evaporation of what typically known as the angel share. In the initial years, it's close to about 12 to 13%. And then over the extended period of maturation, stabilizes at about 8 to 9%. As a reference point, in Scotland, it's about 1, 1 1.5 to 2%. So we lose a lot of malt, and it's expensive. For sure. For sure. In... The only other uh, episode that we've spoken to about an Indian whiskey, it was noted. I mean, you could try to age one eight, nine, ten years. You may not be left with very much in the barrel at that point, and what's there is going to be a lot of oak true. syrup. <laughs> very so. true. Very true. And and also adding to what Sanjeev has just mentioned, David, one interesting point would like to the uh, viewers like to know also is that um, the barley from which the malt is made. It's not the typical European barley, which is a two-row barley we use in our malt making. We use a special North Indian barley, which is a six-row barley. So that six-row barley has got more yield to it and has got more protein to it. So once that is converted after distillation alcohol, what that protein tends to do, it tends to add more sweet, more fruitiness and more floral character to the malt. So all in all, yes, the climatic conditions, uh, the water, the climate, as well as the barley plays a really important role in describing the DNA of the Rampur whiskey, which you've just tasted yourself. It will have that fruity and floralness to it and that easy drinking smoothness to it. For sure. And most, I think this is a generalization that I believe will hold true is that most uh, malt drinkers particularly from, let's say, the traditional, you know, the big five um, countries will, if they've tasted a malt, they've probably tasted a two-row malt, as you point out. Very few are using a six-row malt. Um, and those that do, I've found, are more experimental releases than uh, permanent line extensions. Right. Um, so finding a six-row, while it might be difficult, is is worth looking out because it does impart such a different type of malt and character to it. So thank you for, for pointing that out as well. Um, really we could do a whole second episode just on Indian malt and production uh, sandwich. So well, I'll hold, yeah. I'll hold you guys for that for another one, but um, <laughs> so for, for Sangam, now you're just looking through the timeline. You're, you've already, you started the brand with, a multinational blend. As uh, Sanjeev, as you said, you went through uh, a shift. You went to focusing on Indian malt for 
Rampur, uh, to set the profile, to grow, to get into, you know, as you're growing, you're getting into all these countries, now 100 countries worldwide. Um, and now you're coming back and saying, this is a world malt whiskey we want to blend again. In looking for the distilleries, the producers, the companies you wanted to work with, um, and this is to both of you, I, I um, both can answer, of course, in looking to the companies that you wanted to partner with for this, what were you looking for from their character and their profile? You know, in terms of all our malts, one of the key thing is it should not be too complex. We don't want our drinkers to spend time on trying to decipher what they're drinking. Has to be an easy drinking mod. Uh, what we call within our own internal, this thing is liquid to lips and from lips to the heart. That's the most important thing. Don't complicate things. Keep it simple. Keep it easy. Let people enjoy the moment with our uh, whiskey. So our, our brief to our master blender was very clear. We don't want a super complex malt. We wanted an easy drinking. Everyone can appreciate, enjoy it. It's not a very niche sort of a malt that we're looking at, but it should be acceptable to all genre. So that was the overriding criteria. And then we left it to his expertise to pick up the finest malts from all around the world. So I think it is fair to say, and I, this will not break any NDAs, I think it's fair to say there's not Lafroig in here because that would be fairly strong, um, Pete, that would, I mean, I think it would, it would kind of mask everything else that's going on. But I can understand the idea that you're going for. You want something harmonious that is simply enjoyable. And but yes, you're right. Maybe maybe not refer, but we can give you slight in basis something from Ivy. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> uh, um, see now, now I'm gonna have to go back and try it again, and <laughs> see if I can pick out that profile because I'm not, I'm not usually. I enjoy smoke, but kind of at the level that you have in here, where it's very gentle. It adds to the pour. It doesn't take over at all. Um, once it gets to, yeah, it's exactly. just a whis whisper of spokiness. Yeah, once once it gets too much and overtakes the malts, I like tasting the malt. It's, that's yeah. my thing. Um, so that was for for the for Europe for the European uh, source for the north the uh, New World source. Now this is a let's say a an area with which you hadn't blended before. So, you know, you may have had uh, contacts, relationships with um, with Scotland because you had blended before way in the past. And of course, being in these markets, you get to know people and, and work with them. When looking for a malt from the new world, did your approach have to change? Not really. Uh, in fact, we had uh, a lot of connections, contacts with the new world producers as well. Uh, one, because we, uh, as I said, our malt distillery has been in operation for over 30 years now. So we use various casks, 
And our master blender has a knack of keep on experimenting. So we've, we've been sourcing casts from a lot of new world distilleries as well. Second, we were, uh, since we were aging our malt all this while, we were supplying our uh, malt to a couple of them as well. So we already had existing arrangements with a lot of distillers. So it wasn't that difficult for us to source the malts that we wanted. You already had an exchange program going on. <laughs> kind of. This next question, um, I, I will cut if you cannot answer it, so please feel no pressure to, pressure to answer it. So in the blend itself, is it fair to assume that we're working with three distilleries? So Rampur, obviously one from Europe and one from the New World, or are there more than three in this blend? I can easily answer that question. No, they're much more than three. Much more than three. Okay. That'll make, I mean, that again, will make it more complicated uh, to go back. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's truly a world malt. No, I, I appreciate that. And thank you for um, being willing to answer that because uh, some would not. So, <laughs> uh, so thank you for that. Uh, and yeah, now I want to go back even more and, I think once you get past the three, it's it's going to be impossible to you know, identify any of them in particular, but that's also what you have both said. That's also the point, is not to necessarily identify the components, but to look at it as the whole and enjoy it as a harmonious blend. Very true. Very true. And uh, everyone agrees blending is an art. It's not a science. So we uh, respect the nose and the palate and the skills of a master blender to come cons with a consistent uh, blend for any of our products as well. So we leave that to his judgment. This is a question that just came to me that uh, I had not asked yet. And this is more, again, towards the Indian whiskey um, ethos, if you will. The Clearly, the master blender behind these products has incredible skill, thought process. You were able to give him a brief and say, this is what we're looking for. He then goes, finds the malt, works on it, and comes up eventually with Sangam. In, when you look at the difference between, let's say, just for example, UK distilling and American distilling. In America, the master distiller is the celebrity of the brand in i would argue most of the rest of the world the master blender gets more attention and more recognition uh, for their work i'm curious what you both think of that balance in indian whiskey and within rampur itself as to who kind of gets more i hate to say gets more attention but i hope you understand where i'm going with that question yeah, you know, uh, honestly, uh, before the luxury portfolio, before the single malts as well, it was only blended Indian whiskeys or Indian spirits over there, which was kind of, uh, it was mass production. And let's not forget India is close to about 400 million case market uh, of spirits. 
predominantly uh, a whiskey market over there. So there was, uh, it was essentially the grain and then some malt that you're using and blending it over there. So it wasn't very unique, very different. But then since the uh, luxury portfolio, where the, the experience, the knowledge of the master blender is really at play, comes in. So that's where uh, I think it's basically their brainchild when they come up with that. We can do all the marketing, the branding, and the product creation as well. But eventually, the consumer will keep buying your product only if they're satisfied with the liquid that goes inside the bottle. So for us, uh, the master blender, especially for the unique uh, and luxury portfolio, plays a very, very critical role. Understood. If you had to, well, I guess I mean, you, not if you had to, you did do this in the, in the brief and as the product has rolled out. If you had to elaborate on the particular audience that you're looking to serve with this or to reach with this, what segment of whiskey consumers are you looking for? You know, uh, the beauty of today's consumer is a couple of things. One, they want to experiment, try out new things. Second, post-COVID, uh, they drink less, but they drink better. Third, they're looking at unique experiences. Provenance is important to them. Sustainability is equally gaining more prominence over there as well. So it's it's a combination of all these factors that uh, tends the consumer to try a product. And then it has to be a very compelling, convincing story of what they are uh, consuming. So I think if you combine all of that together, uh, I would say the consumer base uh, cuts across the age group, demographics, uh, geographies over here, because it's the consumer today is so well-educated, so well-informed what's happening all around the world. So the whole world, as I say, is the consumer for this. Yes, the legally drinking age population. Always, always a good thing to add in there of course but yes very true <laughs> and this is also meant to be clearly a a bottle that goes to more people just by nature of the price point too so in the u.s we're looking at between a 64.99 69.99 uh, price point off the shelf which you know it's funny if 10 years ago might have been on the higher end and now it's very much in a sweet spot um, for exploring new whiskeys and especially for international whiskeys where you have not only the normal cost of spirits here, but the additional import expenses. So, I mean, this is a, a whiskey that is approachable, not just in flavor, but also in price in my mind. And so looking at the 
audience that uh, Sanjeev, you just elaborated on in the first six to eight months of the product being rolled out across all of these markets, do you think so far you're connecting with, with the market that you're seeking to connect with? Well, I think uh, in terms of the initial response feedback, it's been very positive, both in terms of the taste profile of the product, in terms of packaging, and uh, affordability as well. And the beauty is we never chase volumes for our luxury portfolio because we've, we've got a huge amount of rest of portfolio to take care of all our uh, overheads and profits and all. So this is, is a very passionate business for us, the luxury portfolio. And we believe in organic growth on that. And it's a slow burn. We want consumers to taste, come back, keep coming back, talk amongst themselves and their friends and say, this is what we've tried. Why didn't you try it? So we don't chase volumes on that. But having said that, the response that we've got so far from the markets where we've launched Sangam has been extremely satisfying. That's good to hear. Good to hear. The, what are the next markets that you're going to be entering? Banal. Um, David, just to answer, roll back to your question to answer now that yes, what Sanjeev has mentioned that this response have been really, really, really satisfying. So we have rolled out in eight states in US as we speak now, uh, principally uh, most of the East Coast states and in Southern states. And um, A, uh, there was a surprise element because there was something a bit of as you mentioned uh, from the Rampur staple. So that's a surprise element and people love that because um, uh, to be precise, again, a hint of treat which kind of helped them, you know, uh, supersede what they never thought that that will happen from a Rampur staple. So that really helped the fact that uh, Sangam had a really good response. So now coming back to your next question, how are we going to go further? Uh, uh, if, if you talk about U.S. itself, uh, we are currently present in between 28 to 32 states uh, with our current portfolio. With Sangam, we are started just with eight states and we keep on having a wider distribution in these states as we speak. And from next year onwards, we will start uh, putting our footprints in other states as well. Because what we believe, we follow the Rampur philosophy, we started with small number of states we build the brand well distributed because if you take let's say state of new jersey which already has more than around 4 to 5000 retailers so even if you if you if you if you want to go to sell 4 to 5000 place your product in those retailers is more than enough so you want to have a strong foothold in all those eight states where we are just distributed stangam and next year onward we start galloping on other states this is for us uh, if you go for the global strategy, we are currently present in eight or to nine countries uh, like UK, UAE, Singapore, um, then you have Australia, New Zealand and other markets. So again, uh, we want to make a footprint in these markets initially and then slowly build a brand as we go along. It's a slow burn. Make people understand what the blend is and how the response is happening accordingly move forward. 
because it's a great story it's a great blend and it's a good looking package so yes we are here to stay and that's how we're going to distribute further and that provides a perfect segue into uh one of the last questions i have which is the packaging um this is again a, this is audio only podcast so i'll have pictures of it of course that go along with it but it's a very unique looking bottle i think of it almost as a um somewhere between a, a flask or a water holder mm-hmm. um, and you know with it's more flat it can fit easier on the shelf quite frankly um and but I, more than that it's just even if it's face front it's something different in the packaging so um i'd li- love to hear about how the how this particular design came about uh, and, i think uh, that's question um yeah. uh, honestly i wanted to jump on this question earlier also this answer also because you know uh, packaging is one thing we truly believe in if you uh, if you take our rampur packaging also as sanjeev said in the beginning it's all indian about it so if you see our uh, silk pouch on the rampur bottle personified the fact it's all indian it's made of raw indian silk so we wanted to take it forward from there so if you see the intricacy on sangam design if you have the bottle with you as you showed me on the top of the cork you will have a compass um which shows and and tagline is always east meet west so as we said our tagline is uh, new world whiskies and the old world whiskey and the amalgamation of those whiskies so uh, so it was taken in the fact that there is a compass in, in uh, on the top of the bottle as well as on the label to show that what we are really into it and also the word itself sangam uh, uh, which is uh, in the beginning of the podcast we explained to you the meaning of it um, so all this had to be kind of integrated in the whole packaging scheme of thing and we always wanted to go sustainable that's why we wanted to remove the gift box out of the packaging so we all uh, sat on the drawing board like if we are removing the gift box which generally every very every company is uh, doing but we want to do a sustainable so how to make it better so we had to have an attractive bottle shape no brainer to it and that's why we had to come up with this design which was flat as you rightly said and it was easy to hold like this and uh, somewhere in between uh, the hip flask and a bottle holder and 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 trust me not only you it has it is uh, generating rave reviews across the globe and even in us So yeah, so this was a concept behind the whole packaging of Sangam. There's something subliminal about it, and in in making it, even with the, I'm not exactly sure what the from the design side what it would be called, but the, um, sealed edges on the side that have a little weight to them. It just feels like you're drinking from a, a water pouch or or a kind of softer. Uh, soft flask kind of thing so you look at it and you feel it and you want to pour more and i genuinely felt that as i was as i was tasting it as i was sharing it with some friends that you wanted to pour more because it felt like something you should be drinking out of not just in kind of everyday bottle that any whiskey brand could have so um you know i'm someone who really does appreciate the when care is taken for the packaging and the bottle and to make it a little different so i think with that um you certainly succeeded uh and so the uh the last question i have for you is 
this is a whiskey that brought together a large number, let's say, uh, of malts from around the world. Is and it's a two-part question. The first part being, will this be a permanent addition to the lineup? And then the second part of that, which ties in, is uh, do you anticipate the product remaining consistent in flavor profile over, let's say, the next five, 10 years, if it does remain a permanent extension? To answer that, David, yes, it's it's going to be a core expression. It'll be a running expression. Uh, so it'll be a permanent expression over here. Uh, to answer the second part, that's the job of the master blender. Now, just to uh, uh, share with uh, your viewers over here as well, anywhere in the world, wherever you blend malts, whether it is in US or in Scotland as well, uh, a lot of these blended scotch whiskies take malt from different distilleries. And if you're aging for, say, 12 years, 15 years and all that, a lot of these distilleries would actually stop operations, close down, may have an issue with availability of the malt as well. So it's the job of the master blender to ensure consistency. It happens not only in the scotch industry, but even in the, the to take another example, is the tea. Uh, again, you taking leaves from different tea gardens, a lot of them because of the seasonality or the crop or the weather condition, the uh, some tea gardens may not be able to give you those tea leaves. But again, the blender, the tea taster has to ensure consistency. Again, in the wine industry as well, the grapes varieties may get influenced by the weather or some other uh, conditions over there and all, but then you have a consistent quality. So that's that's one of the art that the master blenders perfect. So no worries on that. It'll be a permanent um, brand and extension and consistent quality. Fantastic. Well, I want to thank you both for coming on to talk more about this new product. I'm very excited uh, to, get, to get connected with, with you, with uh, our mutual friend, Michelle, who has made this all possible. Uh, and I really look forward to hopefully having you both back to talk more about the larger profile, about Indian whiskey from a new perspective. Uh, and with that, I'll just say, uh, you know, please hold on with me for just a moment after we finish the recording. But I want to thank again, Mr. Shanjeev Barga, Mr. Kunamadan, uh, President and Vice President, respectively, of International Business for coming on, talking about Sangam World Malt Whiskey. Uh, in the show notes of this episode, you'll be able to have a link to their website where you'll be able to find where to buy it. If you're in those eight states that they're in currently, um, you should be able to find it hopefully fairly easily, but if not, we'll have a helping hand for that. Uh, also, taste notes, of course, and reviews and pictures of what I think is one of the more unique bottle designs that I've seen recently. Um, so with that, gentlemen, thank you again for coming on.
Thank you very much, David, and great uh, talking to you and appreciate you having us on your podcast and season's greeting and happy holidays to all your viewers and Merry Christmas and Happy New Year with Sangam. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, and a and a, a happy belated Diwali to you both as well. Thank you. Thank you, David. Hey, folks. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Whiskey Ring Podcast. If you like what you hear, please go ahead and click that subscribe, follow, or like button. Leave a rating and review on your podcast app of choice, and let me know what you want to hear. You can reach out to me through the podcast apps or email me at david at whiskeymywedderring.com with any suggestions or ideas for new show guests. You can also support the podcast at patreon.com slash whiskeyinmywedderring. That's whiskey with an E for as little as a dollar a month. $5 a month gets you access to bonus content, including our soon to resume Under the Influencer series. And $25 a month means you join the Barrel Share Club. Each month, Barrel Share Club members get to try products sent to me for review, bottles from my own collection, and sometimes bottles I just pick up because they're fun or interesting. Right now, only five spots remain in the Barrel Share Club, so grab your place today. Finally, please follow on Instagram. You can follow me at Whiskey My Wedding Ring or at Whiskey Ring Podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at Whiskey Ring. You can follow on Facebook at Whiskey My Wedding Ring or join the Facebook group, the Whiskey Ringers group. And I hope to see you there. Cheers. Thank you for the support and see you next time.